Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Barney Jopson. This week, as tensions rise in the Gulf following the seizure of a British flag tanker by Iranian forces, we're looking at what the crisis means for the high-stakes standoff between Tehran and the West. Now, relations between Tehran and Washington have been deteriorating gradually since Donald Trump decided last year to pull the US out of a nuclear deal with Iran, which had curbed Iran's nuclear programme in return for relief from sanctions. In recent months, we've seen a series of security incidents in and around the Gulf that have made the situation worse, and now tensions have reached a new high and the UK has been sucked into the middle of it. Joining me in the studio to discuss things is Andrew England, the FT's Middle East editor, and on the line from Iran, Najmeh Bazogmeh, our Tehran correspondent. Najmeh, we'll start with you. Just tell us firstly why you think Iran decided to seize this British flag tanker from the Strait of Hormuz. Iran is open to acknowledging that it acted in retaliation for the seizure of Iran's super tanker off the coast of Gibraltar. What Iran thought it needed to do was to demonstrate that its threat to retaliate was not an empty threat. Iran is conscious that it should not initiate any attacks in the Strait of Hormuz or in regional countries against the U.S. or other Western powers, but it's also conscious that it should not look weak when it comes to what it considers aggression of other countries. So as you say, Iran doesn't want to look weak and it was retaliating, it seems, for Britain's seizure of an Iranian tanker off the coast of Gibraltar. Britain said that tanker was due to ship Iranian oil to Syria in defiance of European Union sanctions. But Najmeh, what do you think Iran's longer term strategic calculation is here? By seizing this tanker, how do they think this is going to play out? And how is that move going to give Iran what it wants? I think Iran's strategy has not yet changed. Iran is going to avoid war with the US or any other regional or Western power. Iran does not want to look the one initiating attacks on the interests of other countries at this sensitive time. But I think Iran has also made its calculations that even if Iran's responses lead to wider conflicts, At this stage, it's all about responding to any aggressive move. But Iran has also threatened that this is for now. If Iran's self-defense is not enough, Iran one day thinks that the other countries are violating Iran's rights or do not allow Iran to export oil through the Strait of Hormuz or in other places, Iran will shift to an offensive approach and will resort to preemptive acts. What they would be, I don't know, but that threat is there now. So in Washington, Najme, there are two things that upset the Trump administration about Iran. One is Iran's ballistic missile program 
The other is Iran's perceived interference in regional affairs, in the affairs of neighbouring countries like Iraq, Syria and Lebanon. What is the likelihood, do you think, of Iran changing its policies on its relations with its neighbours and its missile programme? I do not see any signs of changing defence policies and regional policies. And if there is going to be any compromise on the Iranian side, Iranian officials say that can happen during negotiations with the U.S. when the U.S. will also make concessions. As far as we can see now, neither Iran is making any concessions nor the U.S. And under sanctions, Iran insists it will not negotiate with the U.S. So there cannot be any change in Iran's military and regional policies. So, Andrew, as mentioned, Iran's seizure of the British tanker was in retaliation for the seizure of the Iranian tanker off the coast of Gibraltar. By doing that, do you think Britain was trying to join Donald Trump's maximum pressure campaign against Tehran? I don't think so explicitly. The British government's been very clear that it wants to de-escalate and it's tried to distinguish between its continued support for the nuclear deal with its European partners, France and Germany, but also backing the US's criticism of what they describe as Iran's malign behaviour. So both the UK and the US have accused Iran of being behind sabotage attacks on six tankers or vessels off the coast of the United Arab Emirates in May and in June. But whatever the case, it's the perception, and that's the key thing. The UK can say this was specifically to do with a violation of EU sanctions over Syria, and the Grace One was violating those sanctions by taking oil to Syria. But the Iranians will see it and have seen it as a hostile act. They were bound to retaliate. The British government was aware of that. It put its threat level for shipping in Iranian waters to its highest level days after it took Grace One. We will never know exactly who spoke to who in terms of whether the US gave the Brits a tip off. But the Iranians were always going to perceive it as the UK shifting more to Donald Trump's more hostile line towards Iran. Now, the UK announced this week it wanted to create a maritime force to improve security in the Gulf. To do that, it obviously needs allies to make it work. How has that call been received in Berlin, Paris and other European capitals? I think at this stage, it'd be fair to say that it's been lukewarm. The Europeans, the Germans and the French have stood by Britain in its condemnation of Iran for seizing the Stena Impero, the British tanker. But we haven't really seen any European government sort of stepping up and saying, yes, we will deploy assets to support this maritime alliance. We don't have any details about you know, what the Brits expect their European partners to provide in terms of support for this. What we do know is the British government has been very honest and it just doesn't have enough of its own naval assets to provide security for the ships passing through the Strait of Hormuz and the Gulf. So they do need partners. The question is whether this initiative will get off the ground. And at this stage, you know, it's too early to say. British officials would say that they wouldn't have announced it unless they had had some sort of pledges of support. But we haven't seen any details. Of course, some governments might be quite concerned that by sending more naval assets to the region simply increases the risk of a miscalculation or a clash. And so whilst everyone's talking about de-escalation, there will be some that could quite easily see this as an escalatory move. Now, the timing of the seizure of the Steno Impero is very interesting. It came just a few days before Britain prime minister was due to change. We've now got a new prime minister and the man who announced the Maritime Alliance, Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt, is on his way out. Given all that, is there any stability at all to British policy here? How does this change in domestic politics affect how they're going to handle Iran? 
I think it's just really too early to say at this stage. I mean, obviously Boris Johnson is a former foreign minister, so he has dealt with Iran. So I think it's just another sign of how the politics of the UK around Brexit have become all-consuming. I think the Foreign Office officials working on the nuclear deal, working on trying to convince Iran to stay in, trying to work out means to offer economic relief, would say, you know, they're going to continue their work. They're technocrats. and They've been engaged in this for a long time. That will carry on. I guess the question with a new prime minister is whether the tone changes towards Iran and whether they do side more to the US. Obviously, Mr Johnson, you know, is seen as a friend of Donald Trump. And let's turn our attention to Washington and whether this maximum pressure campaign is working. It's a multifaceted operation. It seems to have succeeded in pushing Iran into recession. Do you think the Trump administration is feeling pleased that they're achieving what they wanted with this campaign? I think from the Trump administration's perspective, absolutely. I mean, they would say... Iran is hurting. Clearly it is. Oil is the lifeline of its economy. And markets analysts estimate that its exports have gone down from about 2.8 million barrels per day in May last year to below 500,000. I've heard some people talking about 200,000, which is far below what Iran needs to keep its economy moving forward. And in terms of foreign currency, in terms of being able to import. So clearly Iran is under a huge amount of pressure. And I would assume that there are some within the Trump administration, the hawks on Iran, like John Bolton, who would be quite pleased to see Iran reacting by taking more provocative steps like the seizure of the British tanker because they would feel vindicated in what they've been saying is, you know, Iran's nefarious behaviour. The bigger question is, what is the end game? So, yes, Iran is being squeezed. Yes, Iran is under economic pressure and it's in danger of becoming more isolated. But is this going to change the behaviour of the Iranian regime, which is, of course, what the Trump administration claims it wants? Will it bring it to the negotiating table? not just around the nuclear deal, but around its ballistic missile program and its support for Shia militias in the region. And a lot of people question if the Trump administration actually has an endgame. Has it worked out whether this maximum pressure will bring Tehran to the negotiating table, essentially force the Islamic regime to submit to US pressure, or will it just create this kind of scenario of tit-for-tat escalations with the real risk that it could lead to a conflict which everybody says they don't want? So a lot of experts, former U.S. administration officials and even people in Europe are saying, you know, yes, you've got your maximum pressure strategy, but is there a clear goal here? What is the way out of this? And that's what concerns so many people. So Najme, back to you just finally. Tell us about how this standoff between the West and Iran is being perceived by ordinary people in Iran. The mood over the past year has had ups and downs. It's a mixture of fear, anxiety, hopelessness. But overall, I would say people are more re- relaxed this year compared to last year because of certain level of stability in the financial market. The inflation is still very high, but the growth has been curbed. The national currency is not falling dramatically anymore. And people are getting used to the new normality. And I think the recent incidents, interestingly, has given some sense of pride to people that the Revolutionary Guards 
shot down the U.S. drone, that the Revolutionary Guards seized the U.K. tanker. This gives some feeling of security to people that they are protected against any aggression or if there is any war, they think their armed forces are not as weak as maybe they feared. They are hoping that they can be protected by the armed forces. That's very interesting. Are there any people, do you think, in Iran who want to see a conflict between Washington and Tehran? I'm sure you can find people who would like to see a war. But in general, Iranian public opinion is security conscious, wants to have peace and dreads any war. Let's not forget that the war with Iraq finished three decades ago and people still have very bitter memories of that decade in the 1980s when about half a million people were killed. Okay, well, thanks to you, Najmeh, in Tehran. Uh, Thank you to Andrew here in the studio. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye.